0: This is Cabernet and True Crime, the place where good wine and true crime come together. Hi, friends. I'm trying something out a little bit uh, different with the podcast intro. I guess it sounds very soothing, like a little less jarring than it normally is. Let me know if you like it or if you don't. Um. Hi. Uh. The, yeah. You know. <laughs> life. Life has been a little difficult lately, um, I apparently have no sense of, uh, time or space, because I can sit down and just hours go by, and I didn't even do anything, just hours disappear, and, you know, it's been a little difficult trying to live my life this way, but, meh, you know what, I'm here, you're here, I'm in the podcast closet, really, I couldn't ask for a better time, so per usual. Let's just, you know, get right into it. Um, this one, I enjoyed researching. There's these next two I'm really into. Like the, uh, Patreon exclusive episode. Really into it. It's gonna be a good one. I have had a lot of fun researching it. Um, and hopefully it'll be the first professionally-ish recorded and edited video so if you've been waiting to become a patron until I got my shit together, now may be the time. But d- wait. Don't hold your breath yet. Let what that's not the right saying. No. Don't let me get this video done before you expect anything great from me because uh you know, we've had high hopes before on how videos are going to work out and then they've turned out to be complete trash fires. So, Let's, I'm just, I'm optimistic, I'm feeling the mood, I'm into it, let's hope that all my technology decides to be into it as well. Because if it's not, I'm going to start screaming, just absolute screaming, shitstorm, okay? So that's, uh, that's where I currently stand (laughs) in my life and the time. Uh, so... That's all I have, I think. I don't really I don't really know. December's gotten away from me. It's already December 9th. How did that happen? I don't fucking know. I'm blinking and time is passing by. So, had a lot of big plans for December and I feel like those plans may not come to fruition unless something very dramatic happens in my life and the way it has gone so far I'm not, I'm not feeling optimistic about that part. (laughs) It's like, so those might be first of the year, some fun-ass January plans. Who knows? So stay tuned for that. I'm excited if they actually happen. And if not, then I'm still excited. I'm just an excitable person, though. So, yeah. Um, Let's get into it. I've got a very intricate system for these. I always film my weird intro because that's all I can call it. I don't really know. It's just me rambling for a couple minutes. I'm, I'm getting, like, a structure down to my podcast. And that's why I don't know if I would ever... I I dabble constantly in the idea of, like, having a co-host. But I don't know. I just, you know, it seems like a lot of things to orchestrate and, like, other people to get involved and, like, time to to do it just seems stressful to me and so I always film it and then I, I resituate myself, get myself cozy comfy with my laptop and then uh, I pause the podcast to get comfy and then I come right back in. And usually I ramble for another minute or two like I am now, welcome to that part, and then we actually get into the true crime. Have you noticed the structure? Because I certainly have. You know, I set myself up for segues for sips of water, etc. Because I don't edit any of these, in case you were curious. I Well, I've said that before. I don't edit any of these. I literally record them and post them. That's just how they go. So, if I go down weird tangents, I would rather be completely real and say everything that I need to say and have my opinion out there than sugarcoat things. You know, I don't... I am, hello, I am me, that's who I am, and I'm not here to sugarcoat or edit anything to make me look better, um, that sounds exhausting, so I don't, you know, just, it comes out the way it is, if I ramble, if I don't make sense, if I mess up my words, then I guess that's just part of this experience with you guys, and if that's the case, then so be it. Some people probably hate it, and other people are probably here for it, so, I, you know, you can't make everybody happy. And at the end of the day, I'm doing this because I like to do it and I want to do it the way I want to. Otherwise, what's the point? You know? And this this has been my TED Talk. So welcome. Thanks for coming. So today we're going to be talking about Louise Pete, whom I had never heard of before. And This goes down the whole rabbit hole of... I really like old-style crimes. I've said this before. Um, I like when they're so far removed from everything going on in today's world. Real, real old-timey. That's my jam. Um, I still cover newer... Well, I guess not newer, but more recent crimes. But anything that happened before the 1900s or, like, the early 1900s is really my jam. So when I find one that has enough information on it, like, I'm I'm 10 out of 10 going to do it. So if you have any of those to recommend... I will take them. Um, So today we're talking about Louise Peet. She was born as Lofi Louise Preslar on September 20th, 1880. Um, No wonder she would go by Louise, because Lofi is a weird name. Sorry if her name's Lofi. Lofie. It's L-O-F-I-E. She was born in Bienville, Louisiana, and technically... Bienville didn't become a city until 1891, when the railroad is extended to that point. So Bienville is a village in Bienville Parish, Louisiana. Um, in 2010, the population... What? What am I talking about? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I was... This has some French in it, and I... My, um... The... Sorry, another rabbit hole. The uh, episode for... Why can I not use my words right now? For the patron exclusive takes place, takes place in France. So I was like, "Holy shit, have I been thinking this girl was born in Louisiana this whole time when she wasn't really born in Louisiana? I just got my two stories mixed up." Just fucking read what you wrote, Jana. Don't get I just I try to get so philosophical about these things. Like just read what you wrote. It's really not that difficult. Okay. So, um Bienville is a parish in Bienville. Nope bienville is a village in bienville paris parish louisiana okay got that out in 2010 the population was 218 people and in case you were curious louise pete is not on the wikipedia page for their notable people and i checked there are a lot of people who are apparently notable but louise pete is not one of them um so the presslers which are her family were prominent uh Louise's dad was a pub, or a newspaper publisher. Their family was well off. Louise would later recount that her parents were not delinquents and did not raise delinquent children. She went to a private school in New Orleans but was kicked out at 15 for stealing and being promiscuous, which I said in 1895. I'm curious as to what type of behavior would get you out of um get you kicked out of school for being promiscuous, so I went down that um little route and looked it up. Um so from what I can tell over geniality and ignorance turned the nineteenth century into quote the most rotten age there had ever been for sexuality. Um and though I can't look up what it was like in Louisiana at the time, there was an article about um Britain, which I'm assuming were kind of in the same place around the same time. Um so in Britain the ideal was a middle class wife safely tucked away with her family in their bourgeoisie home. Um, but the repression of natural urges led to a dark underground of debauchery, so the purity of a wife was promoted, Um, once a month sex was considered enough, and prostitution became more popular and widespread than it ever had before. In 1839 London, for example, there were two million people and over 800,000 sex workers. Just to kind of put that into perspective um that leads to an absurd amount of venereal diseases and syphilis was rampant at the time i mean look at like a lot of people believe that jack the ripper had syphilis from his encounters with a sex worker so it's kind of an overall movement of you know the career of being a sex worker it was lucrative people did it it made the money it paid the bills you can't blame them um so people were afraid of sex because of disease but um masturbation was highly frowned upon and if you look up anything involving masturbation in this time period, um, there was like a thing that guys could put on their wieners that had like spikes on it, so they they wouldn't have quote nocturnal emissions. And um, the female clitoridectomy was not uncommon, also known as female genital mutilation. So that was not uncommon at the time. Uh, they didn't want people to feel pleasure. Yes, so in... 1903 at the age of 23 Louise married a traveling salesman named Henry Bosley Uh, their marriage was short lived she was traveling on the road with him which seemed fine until he found her in bed with another man so trigger warning for the rest of this podcast um suicide sorry in advance it's you can't skirt around it just so you know it's from here until the end of the podcast trigger warning for suicide Okay. He found her in bed with another man, and he committed suicide in 1906 after the event. Um, after his passing, Louise sold all of Henry's belongings and moved to Shreveport, Louisiana, which is about 60 miles west of her hometown. Shreveport must have been a massive change because now, um, right now it is the third most populous city in Louisiana, right behind New Orleans and Baton Rouge. While in Shreveport, she worked as a high-end sex worker, saving up to go to Boston, Massachusetts. Um, She was also known to steal money from her clients. So, basically, she would make house calls and then would steal the wives' jewelry and sold most of it to supplement her income. So, she was... I mean, it's frowned upon, but she was doing pretty alright for herself, you know? High-end sex worker, working with really lucrative clients, and then also just stealing their belongings while she was there. Not the worst thing a person could do. You do you do use this. I'm not here to judge. Um, so in 1911, she actually did make her way to Boston, Massachusetts, and changed her name to Louise M. Gold. She claimed that she was 19 year old. She was a 19 year old Harris named R. H. Rosley, saying she came from Dallas. Um, first of all, Gold. That's a funny pun. I appreciate that. You know her last name is Gold. Because she liked it, into that, Um, and she was saying she came from Dallas and she was a nineteen year old heiress. At this time, she's thirty one, and I don't know if she was just aging fantastically well or if people were just dumb. Because, well, okay, to be fair, I am almost thirty and I still get carded. Like my boyfriend used to smoke, I got carded once. Yeah, I'm almost thirty years old, but without makeup on, I look like a twelve year old boy. So yeah, I mean, you know, I guess maybe she was passable as a 19-year-old. Cool. Uh, she claimed that her family had put her in a convent and that she'd ran away, which I said was very Chicago, if you know the musical, and it gets a little more Chicago as well, but that's the first clue of, like, huh, sounds like Chicago, um, and she implemented herself into a, v- into several woo, several wealthy boston families and even convinced one to take her in she was stealing money from their friends charging their account at expensive stores and eventually she was discovered um and police allowed her to leave town without any kind of reprimand so that the family could avoid embarrassment so like talk about high class you're you had like think of having so much money that you have someone just blatantly charging things to your account stealing your wealthy possessions and you're just like no I'd rather her just be removed from the town than actually press charges because like all those things are replaceable and our reputation is more important. Like that's just, in my personal opinion, that's kind of wild, right? I just imagine having that much money that you can just write something like that off and be like, no, 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 just, just leave. Just get away from us. And like, we're cool. Like we won't press charges against you. Just go away. After she leaves Boston in 1913. So her time there was short-lived. She was only there for two years before she really fucked it up for herself. So you could have milked that a little bit longer if you were a little bit less obvious about this, but you know, it, but, but probably better that she didn't. Okay. So after her discovery, she quickly headed to Waco, Texas, as one does. She met an oil man named Joe Apple, who was known for the diamonds that studded his belt buckle and the buttons of his clothing, which sounds like a real Texas thing to do, just in my personal opinion. So, one week after they met, so she meets Joe Apple with his diamond-studded fucking belt buckle and diamonds in his buttons, this crazy guy. Like, imagine having that much money. Couldn't even. I only own, like, two real diamonds in my, in my whole life of, like, possessions, and just to have a belt buckle studded with diamonds is crazy to me. Um, so, one week after they met, Joe Apple was found shot to death with his belt and diamond jewelry missing. Louise was arrested for his death, but she was able to convince the jury that she killed Joe in self-defense after he, quote, attempted to rape her. Also very Chicago. They wrote a song about it. In case you're wondering, Roxy gets off. Not to ruin the movie for you. Or the musical. Or any of it. It's a good. It's a good time. But uh, I would hedge that Louise Pete is just about as guilty as Roxy Hart, in my personal personal opinion. Um, for that's or whoop. Later that same year, Louise moved to Dallas and quickly met and married a man named Henry Faroud. He was a night clerk at a hotel, and right after they were married, Louise stole twenty thousand dollars worth of jewels from the hotel safe. Normally, I like to. Um, Well, yeah, normally I would go through and calculate out how much that would be in, like, today's terms, but I didn't for some reason, because I do later. So, actually, okay, here's, do this math in your brain if you want to, and if you don't want to, then that's fine, too. So, later on, I have $350 then would equal $4,652 today. So, if she stole $20,000, some mental math uh, that's a lot of money. I'm gonna hedge that she stole. Um, of course, the hotel suspected and questioned Harry um because he was the employee there, but he was later dismissed because they didn't have enough evidence to he just wasn't involved. They were suspicious of Louise but had no evidence to really tie her to the crime. and apparently the uh, the ordeal was so upsetting and embarrassing for Harry he um, because his name was ruined, like, they had suspected him of this crime, and even though he didn't, wasn't committed of it, like, stealing that much money from a hotel really kind of, you know, you lost your employer's trust. Um, apparently that was a huge hit to his, you know, psyche, and then he found out that Louise was, uh, cheating on him, and Harry Feroat shot and killed himself. So, Louise is just kind of reckless and doesn't care about who she hurts in the process of getting money it all comes down to money for her and it's so obvious it's painfully obvious and she's marrying these men and just destroying their lives it's just no no concern for anybody else but herself very selfish um so after the death of henry louise moves to denver colorado here she meets a man also a salesman named richard pete they marry in 1915 and have a daughter named Frances Anne. Who went by betty for some reason but i don't understand how francis ann turns into betty but that's not my problem to worry about um in 1916 the couple fought constantly oh no sorry the not just that year the daughter was born in 1916 and the couple fought constantly and separated in 1920. after the separation louise moved to los angeles california um here she met a man named jacob c denton um, a widower with a teenage daughter who made millions of dollars mining. Um, as a mining engineer, he was recently retired. Jacob had a fourteen-room Tudor Revival mansion that he was hoping to rent out while he went on a business trip. Louise inquired about the home, and it was supposed to be three thousand or three hundred and fifty dollars a month for rent, which would be about six hundred and fifty-two dollars today. She offered him seventy-five dollars a month, for which some reason he accepted. And she moved on, or she moved in on May 26th. She never signed a lease to the mansion, and it was understood later that her relationship with Jacob had different forms. Um, some people thought she was his live-in girlfriend, which was scandalous. Um, his housekeeper or his tenant, depending on who you asked, she herself said they were, quote, romantically involved. A week after she moved in, Jacob Denton disappeared. Louise hired a gardener to transport a load of dirt to the basement under the premise of growing mushrooms, which apparently is just a totally regular thing to do. By June 5th, only a few days after Jacob had vanished, Louise forged a signature to withdraw $300 from his bank account and got access to his safety deposit box. And you know, if that wasn't weird, the lady at the bank noted that the signature didn't look right. Uh, Louise told the woman that Jacob had his arm amputated after it had been shot by a mysterious Spanish-looking woman and said that the signature looked strange because she, Louise, had to help him sign checks with his left hand. In other versions of Louise's story, uh, Jacob's arm had been cut off by a sword, um, and that story also involves him losing a leg, and Louise told those who were worried about Jacob that he wouldn't see any visitors because he was ashamed of his amputated arm very very specific story not that he was sick or anything very strange to be like oh no he totally just got his arm cut off by a by a strange spanish woman believable regular totally normal um as more time passed jacob's friends and associates were curious about him louise said he was on a work trip to various locations promising that he would come home soon in the meantime, though, Louise was pretending to be Jacob's wife and spent his money, drove his Cadillac, and pawned his jewelry and possessions, even renting out rooms in the mansion to make money. Jacob had rental properties in Phoenix, whom Louise convinced. Uh, so, the people, the tenants in the rental properties that Jacob owned in Phoenix, Louise had contacted them and said to stop writing checks to Jacob and that um, they could write them out in her name so she could just cash the checks. Um, Jacob's daughter hired a lawyer to look into the disappearance of her father and around this time, Louise headed back to Denver to her husband and little Betty. Um, after she left, Jacob's daughter had the mansion thoroughly searched and on September 23rd, a detective hired by her attorney found Jacob Denton's decomposing body buried in a wooden cubicle under the basement stairs. He had been shot in the head and strangled. Police hunted down Louise in Denver to question her about Jacob's death. She said the mysterious Spanish woman was the one who killed him, and she was the one who had shot his arm off. Police obviously didn't buy that, considering his corpses still very much had a right arm. Um, she said that Denton was still in hiding, that he was embarrassed about his arm. And then she also said that the body wasn't Jacob's, that it was the body double who Jacob had killed. So she's going to every length even passing completely ludicrous stories to like try and get police to believe her which is just she's absurd she's not living in the same world that everybody else is she clearly has some type of personality disorder where you I and I don't know which one I'm not a psychologist I'm not here to diagnose anybody but her behavior and her her stretch to make the story line up with her reality sounds like a personality disorder to me I know people like this, so let's just say I know from experience this sounds like, sounds familiar to me. (laughs) So um, she was brought back to L.A. So they obviously didn't believe any of her stories because how could you? I don't, you, there's no way. She's so over the top, it's not even realistic. Um, So she was brought back to L.A. and indicted on one charge of first degree murder. The trial started on January 21st, 1921. On February 17th, 1921, she was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. Her husband, Richard, was loyal and convinced that she didn't do it. In 1923, she convinced him to divorce her so he could remarry. Um, he agreed, but said he would wait forever for her release. Um, right after the divorce was final, Louise stopped answering his letters and refused to see him. Stand up, gal um and richard killed himself in 1924 in a hotel in arizona after suffering the loss of his love in her time in prison she was considered a perfect prisoner she worked as a dental assistant worked in the flower gardens and wrote for the prison newspaper she served 18 years of her life sentence and was paroled for good behavior in 1939. after her release she began working as a live-in housekeeper for a woman named Jessie marcy but Marcy died of natural causes shortly after. Then she moved in with a probation officer, Emily Latham, um, and was her nurse and her housekeeper. Emily died of a heart attack in 1943. Police did not investigate the death sur- thoroughly because they didn't know Louise Pete was a subject of a huge murder case because right after she got out, she changed her name to Annalee. So now she's just out, named Annalee, nobody knows she's Louise P., and nobody knows that she's been, she's a convicted murderer, and a, a suspected, a, a once suspected, once convicted murderer. Um, after her parole officer died, Louise moved in with an elderly couple named Arthur and Margaret Logan. They lived in the Pacific Palisades, um, which if you don't know where that is, I thought I did, so I googled it just to be sure. It's super bougie. Um, fun fact, the house from the first season of the Golden Girls was a house in the Palisades. In case you're I yeah, I looked it up. Um, that's pretty cool. I love the Golden Girls. Um also the movie Carrie was filmed there and a ton of other shows, um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, etc. Louise had met Margaret while in prison. Margaret was a social worker. This couple had also cared for Betty while Louise was incarcerated. Um so they they know they knew her well enough. They they knew who Louise was, which makes it even wa- weirder that they took her in unless they like unless Louise really manipulated them and to like I'm a good person, like I was wrongly accused. I spent 18 years in jail when it wasn't me. Um you know, that could have been the case, but they were not fooled by Anna or not well she's going by Anna, sorry. They were not fooled by Louise and her ploys because they knew she was they knew she spent time in jail. So, Arthur suffered from dementia, and Louise volunteered to be a live-in nurse and maid for them. On May 2nd, 1944, Louise had married a banker named Lee Borden Judson. She did not tell him that she had been a convicted murderer. On June 1st, Margaret disappeared. And on June 4th, Louise checked Arthur into a state hospital, claiming to be his foster sister. When neighbors grew concerned as to where Margaret went, Louise told them that Arthur had bit her nose off in a fit of rage and she was too embarrassed to be seen because she was disfigured. So she was telling people that she had disappeared on the premise that she left to go get plastic surgery and she was, like, embarrassed about her appearance. What the fuck kind of lie is that? That Arthur bit her nose off? Like, sorry, I can't answer the phone or talk to anybody because my husband bit my nose off and I'm too ashamed to talk to people. Like, that's... And that's absolutely just insane. Insane, and I can't even, I can't even with that. Whatever. So, for the next six months, Louise and her husband, Lee, lived in the Logans' home. Louise was spending their money and forging their names on checks, and on December 6th, 1944, Arthur died in the state hospital, and Louise donated his body to science. After Arthur died, bank employees noticed a forgery in one of the checks and called police. They called the Logan home, expecting to get Margaret. However, on December 20th, 1944, police found Margaret's decomposing body buried under an avocado tree in the backyard. Louise was obviously arrested and charged with murder. She blamed Arthur, saying that he attacked her in a homicidal frenzy, but admitting to help bury the body. She maintained that she did not kill Margaret, who had been shot in the back of the neck. Lee Borden Judson was also arrested and charged with murder alongside his wife um, by January 11th, 1945. He was released because of insufficient evidence and all charges were um, dropped. The next day on January 12th, he jumped from the ninth floor of an office building in Los Angeles and he did not survive. So he killed himself as well. On April 23rd, 1945, Louise's third murder trial started. On May 31st, the jury found her guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced her to death. While she was being sentenced, she was reading a book called The Importance of Living. Um, she looked up briefly during her sentencing, but read most, most of the time. She appealed several times, but on April 11th, 1947, she was killed in the gas chamber at San Quentin State Prison. She was the second of four people to have been killed this way, and she was 66 years old. And that... My friends, is the story of Louise Pete, Kind of grim. groom, Grim? Kind of grim. Um, you know, she was only convicted of killing two people, but most likely three. And if you, just the chaos and destruction she leaves in her wake of just, like, I mean... She had so many husbands that were just, like, just devastated by her leaving them or doing... ruining their character, and she obviously didn't care, and it makes me wonder about her personality, like, what... what was she like that was so enticing that... that a man would kill himself over her? That's just some food for thought, you know, just to consider, because yeah, she may have only killed two people, but her... the count of people's lives she's ruined was much higher than that and that's the only bit of the story that we know I mean that's only the parts that are reported and able to be searched you know you don't know what she was like on the day-to-day basis and that's fascinating to me um and on that note I guess this is done friends this is this has been your true crime Tuesday from Cabernet and true crime and uh I hope you all have a great Tuesday, and I actually will see you guys this week for um, the serial killer shorts. I promise I won't get caught up in other things this time. Hopefully, it'll happen. (laughs) Bye.